countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. From the depths of time and space, from the celestial's old guiding hand, from the chariots of the gods, it's now time for more last comic shop. Yay! Yeah! We're opening up the shop to newbies so they can figure out what the heck Andrew was going on about and find their way underneath the comic book tent. Yeah, did you hear that bell? I like that bell. It, it alerts us to the oldies as well. We're going to help level up by, you know, uh, reading the actual books. Yeah, and I'm the host with the most, Andy Lawrence, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jay Scott and Chad Smith, and welcome to The Last Comic Shop. And in preparation for the newest MCU movie, it is The Eternals by Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. You guys have any back issues at Deadpool? <laughs> that's not what we're doing right now we just said eternals that's right oh. but hey oh. welcome in it's it's our good friend pittsburgh comic book creator mikey wood i love the eternals black bolt and medusa and the doll oh, that's, that's the, that's i always the get humans. them i know i always get them confused. at least you're not saying doll. it's the new gods right i mean well, but it is it's the true. New gods, same as the old gods We'll get to talk about how the new gods and the Eternals are kind of similar in just a second. But real quickly, guys, are we excited for the upcoming Eternals movie that will be debuting on movie screens everywhere later this week? No. (laughs) That is a hard take, sir. Do you want to back that up? Why, Why are you not looking forward to it, Mikey? I'm slightly more interested after seeing the later trailer. The early run of this book by by Kirby was was nuts. It was madness. And it looks like it's missing that madness, you know? But then the second trailer showed a little more of the celestials that everybody thought was who do they think it was? Galactus? Yeah. All, all the nerds were like, it's like, Galactus. look at the Taylor guy. I'm like, no, that's not close to Galactus. Like, Galactus looks like a giant hat rat. That did not look like a giant hat rat. <laughs> was, was a I thought Galactus was a big cloud. <laughs> wrong movie, wrong movie. I think we'll see, right? Gonna withhold judgment, but I think MCU, this might be their first big miss. The problem with the movie is the same problem that you have with Eternals in the comic book. Is that, got that issue where you've got these super powerful beings that can't die, that are on Earth, but never help out. And so you're like, well, Earth was about to be destroyed by Thanos, why didn't you help out? Or, you know, Galactus came to eat the Earth, why didn't you help out? And as a comic book nerd, that's a bunch of bunk, too, because I think in the trailer they say that we're not allowed because uh, Thanos wasn't deviant. Bull honky, he is a deviant. He's an eternal deviant that lived on Titan. That's what the Titans were. That's what him and Eros and they're what their dad mentor. They were all Eternals that left Earth and went to Titan. So BS that he wasn't a deviant and that the Eternals couldn't get involved. And I, I will piggyback off of J.A.'s point, too, in that if you're going to take out all sense of consequence, you better be bringing something else to wow the audience. And as of right now, just from the trailers, I haven't gotten that sense of wow. However, I do trust Kevin Feige and the rest of the MCU crew. They haven't disappointed me yet. At worst, their movies have been okay. At best, they've been really great experiences. So can they take this concept of the Eternals where 
ah, they're just going to die and be reincarnated or whatever. Can they take that and, and give me something to make that into a worthwhile story? I guess we'll find out later on this week. Chad's right. I mean, there hasn't been a Marvel movie that hasn't been at least wildly entertaining. Like, what's the worst? I mean, like, Thor... Dark yeah, World two, is maybe yeah. is maybe the worst one, and even that's like at least entertaining. Like at yeah, least I enjoy that movie a lot. Yeah. Actually, so I mean, I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. I'm intrigued with the presence of Black Knight. I don't know how much of Black Knight he's going to be because when they show him in the trailer, he's just guy in in the guy. Game of Thrones guy. Exactly. Of Thrones. They haven't given him um, the leather jacket yet, and mixed him yeah. up with what crystal <laughs> but they're both game of thrones guys like both of the brothers are in the are in this movie the the snow the snow boys the snow bros <laughs> the snow and bros that's, and that's what i think snow i'm going to comment on i think that there's a lot of folks out there that are like ooh the eternals are going to be so good because it's going to be finally a serious marvel movie an artistic marvel movie like ant-man was the heist movie and i don't know guardians of the galaxy is your space opera and you know even black widow is your espionage this is going to be a my art house movie this is going to be like serious science fiction like dune or something i don't know if that's going to work there's something about that that just seems to me a little forced mm. again when you're dealing with characters that like nobody knows like the last thing you want is to make it serious because you're like, yeah. not only are these people we don't know, but it's also boring. I deserve judgment too, but I, I feel like it it might be a yawn fest. That's just and this Neil Gaiman run of Eternals, a lot of stuff from the trailer kind of rubbed me as stuff from the book. Like like they're all living among us and kind of living somewhat normal lives to yeah, battle some are in med school and some are yeah. working as party players. And you get that vibe from the movie because Kunil Najani, his character, he's a Bollywood actor. You know, so they're all kind of living sort of normal lives among us while all of this crap is happening around, like the snap and all that other stuff. And yeah, and they don't do anything because they're not allowed to. And then now suddenly they're allowed to. Well, I think, I mean, what made the MCU so powerful was how they were so adept at winding everything together and making it all interconnected. Same for why Netflix for a while was so good because they made all those Netflix shows, you know, the Daredevils and Power Man, Iron Fist. They weave those all together into sort of a, you know, cohesive whole. Inhumans just kind of sat there on its own. A, it didn't have any budget. So, you know, they had to cut off Medusa's hair after the first episode. <laughs> B, it, it just sat by itself. It wasn't appointment viewing because it didn't really relate to anything in the MCU. It was kind of like Agents of Seal. People who got into it watched it and nobody else did because it didn't matter. You didn't need to watch it to understand what was going to happen in the next MCU movie coming out. Part of me liked the Inhumans more as characters and thought that they would have fit better in the MCU ultimately. Because again, the whole point of the Inhumans were they were in their own private city that was like set aside from the rest of humanity they weren't supposed to interact with anybody they were like we're hidden we're in the hidden city of adelan like it's it was supposed to be its own thing so like it's easier to swallow something being like yeah that's why we don't know about them for a long time as opposed to yeah we're just walking around we saw this stuff happen but who cares because it wasn't deviant based we don't care and we're and we're immortal so you can't kill us even with the snap 
But that's one that's kind of something in comics that we have to kind of deal with all the time, too. Everybody lives in New York City. And yet somebody comes in and only the Fantastic Four are taking care of it. Like, you know. It's a great point, because, again, in, in the regular Marvel Universe, Fantastic Four 48, right? It's, it's Galactus. He shows up in New York for the first time. The Fantastic Four are the only ones to answer that call. Like the Avengers were nowhere to be found. Spider-Man didn't even swing by to see what the heck was going on. Like they're all there. Yet only the Fantastic. Yeah, we're here. We'll take care yeah. of it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Reed's got it. It's- Do they have jurisdiction? Like have they broken the city up into sectors? Dude. Yeah, it's like post-war Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Times like- Square is like Checkpoint Charlie. Yeah, or like when like the Irish Italian mob and the and you know were splitting things up in Chicago. You, would they have turf wars accidentally? Like if you know if, if the Avengers are fighting AIM and like Hawkeye because he's worthless gets blasted a few blocks into Fantastic Four country, does like Thing get pissed off and is he like you're in our turf? There? <laughs> well, remember Arrow if it was an old man, you call in Spider Man because he loves punching old men. He does. That's right. Fantastic Four. You call them in when you're like, I don't know. Yeah, they're they're more midtown. They're midtown. Yeah, yeah. This guy has a tuning fork on his head and a a, a big old dog. Uh, We need Reed Richards here for this. (laughs) Anyways, what I hope you care about is the Eternals comic book that we'll be reviewing right after these commercial breaks. I hope that you go out and watch the Eternals movie. You've heard what we think about it. We'll see what happens after it actually drops. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for a read pile review. Yes, that time when we review a comic book, because they're good, and we're going to read one today. It's by who, Chad? It's by Neil Gaiman, who you probably know from Sandman fame or one of my favorite books, Good Omens, that he co-wrote with Terry Pratchett. But it has art done by John Romita Jr., inks by Danny Meeky and Tom Palmer, with assists from Tim Townsend, Jesse Delperdang, and Klaus Jansen. Colors by Matt Hollingsworth and Paul Mallins and Dean White, and Todd Klein on letters. There are plenty of Eternal comic books out there. This one particularly came out in, uh, what, 2006? Yeah, 2006, 2007-ish. Yes. It was during the whole Civil War while that was still going on at Marvel. So, like, again, there's a crossover with Iron Man trying to get people to register for whatever. But uh, let's get that 10-cent synopsis from J.A. Scott. So what else happens other than Iron Man showing up and saying, you need to be a member of one of our 50 states initiative? <laughs> so essentially the uh, the Eternals are sort of working around in society, and not all of them know that they're eternal. Icarus, who kind of knows he's an eternal but can't remember, is trying to find people because he has this feeling that something's wrong, we should know who we are, and we don't, and there's a celestial sleeping and some deviants trying to kill Icarus 
for reasons that don't quite make sense at the beginning, but basically it is, um, it's one of those stories where the heroes don't know their heroes and find out their heroes, then they have to figure out why they were not allowed to know that they were heroes. Yeah, it is one of those stories, like, uh, so many kind of, like, born identity tropes kind of out there where, like, again, heroes got amnesia doesn't know he he's the best assassin ever and kind of our audience in like we're we're reintroduced to all of the eternal characters because they're finding out about themselves at the same time which is weird because like they've been around for a really long time like at some point iron man shows up and says hey cersei like you used to be a member of the avengers why don't you remember that's your freaking Cersei. And she's like, I, I, I just don't know. That that was one part that kind of went sideways for me. But otherwise, I really like this book. And it was my pick. So like of all the eternal books out there, I said I wanted to read that. Now, Chad has took a little bit umbrage of this that I picked this one over the Jack Kirby, right? I did. We had already talked earlier about how the whole movie trailers have hit. And I, I saw the movie trailers. I'm like, eh. <laughs> And then you're like, oh, we're going to read the Eternals. Like, oh, cool, Jack Kirby stuff. Like, yeah, we're going to read the Neil Gaiman one. I'm like, ah. And then I open the book up and like two or three pages in, I get to this beautiful John Romita Jr. spread. Mm. And like, I'm a John Romita Jr. guy. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I may not know who these characters are or care about who these characters are. Uh, On my digital reader here, it's pages seven and eight. It's just Icarus. And one of the other ones whose names I never bothered to learn they're in front of the celestials. It is so beautiful. And it's like, okay, whatever you're going to throw at me, I'm down for this. And there's so many of those in this book. There's so many of those gigantic, huge environments where they're like the, the, the characters are teensy tiny. And it really does have that sort of Kirby vibe because Kirby did that. His Kirby's machinery is just like, it took me a long time to, to warm up to Jack Kirby's artwork, but his machinery was always so cool. And and in this, like, Ramita embraces that sort of stuff. And Before like, we go too far, I wanted to ask, the covers kind of bothered me. And this is something that happens in comic books quite a bit. They'll take an artist with a completely different style than the interior artist. The guy doing your interiors is John f***ing Ramita Jr., he should be doing the covers. Yeah. There's beautiful stuff on the inside and it's not that the covers to this are bad, but like it, they did a disservice to this mini series. I would have picked this up in 2006. Had I known it was John Romita jr. Doing good John Romita jr. On the inside. I did well, not. Yeah. No, I agree with that. It doesn't make any sense to me as opposed to something that's grandiose and is going to grab you. Like again, the Jack Kirby covers for the original eternal series. Those grab you like they're, they're like, Oh, look at this. It's this ugly looking monster thing. And, and Icarus is punching him in the face. Like, that's, that's good stuff. And I don't know where that is with this. I think that's why John Romita jr. Has all these two page spreads. He was basically saying, you know what? This would have been my cover. If I said <laughs> it's a good point those covers were done by rick berry i mean it doesn't match the vibe of the inside that that's and i understand that rick berry is pretty cool i think the first thing i knew that he did was the original cover for william gibson's neuromancer when it hit paperback but anyway no it's it's not a strike against the artist they're they're fine covers but like it just like i feel sad for john romita jr he's he's fabulous he draws action so like he's a great storyteller 
And so is Neil Gaiman. When and the two of them combined, you know, it worked really, really well. But it just it wasn't my favorite thing from Neil Gaiman. Really quickly, uh, as somebody that you know, I, I have some history of reading the Eternals books. You know, again, not only the Jack Kirby original run, which will be my recommendation later in the show, but I also was uh, a guy that read. Uh, a very short run on Mighty Thor that was done by Roy Thomas, where they basically brought in the Eternals for the first time and tried to make them a real part of Marvel continuity. And basically Thor was asking the same question of like, hey, why are you guys around? Like, I know the Greek gods. I've met Hercules and Zeus. Like, you're definitely not the Greek gods. They had to explain where all these people came from. But there was not only that, there was later a Peter Gillis run. Uh, in the 80s with Sal Bushima art, which was super interesting, which, again, they tried to bring more of the Eternals into the continuity. But where I was going with this was I think it was super smart for Neil Gaiman to start off this series by playing that old trope of, like, the Eternals not knowing who they are, right? As an audience in, that's kind of cheating a little bit, but it works so well, at least in my opinion. Because if you don't know who the Eternals are, and you don't care who the Eternals are, letting them discover who they are while you're discovering who they are, I think, always works. Jay, what are your thoughts on that? It got you invested in the mystery. But I thought even better was he made the deviants nuanced. And they weren't just this, you know, bad guy for bad guy sight type. You know, the best bad guys are, are the bad guys that aren't bad. There's grayness in there. There's there's belief behind why they're doing what they're doing. They, they remind me a little bit of characters Kroop and Vandemar in, uh, in Neverwhere, if you've ever read Neverwhere. And they're psychotic. I, like, I hate to say fun, but they're fun. Like you said, the villains were at least interesting. So it, it, it Which is a problem that Marvel movies have a lot. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, that's true. But I was a real big fan of the fact that like the deviants in this series almost like kind of found religion. Because like it was super interesting to, to hear about like the deviants own belief structure. There's like a scene in which they're, I don't know, praying in front of a wall or something like that. And I always think that that adds a little bit of a level to your to your villainy when you you have like deeper meaning behind what they're trying to do. They're not just killing Icarus just because they want to, but because of a a deeper understanding or or something. I just thought that was neat. Yeah. And there's that guy who makes the mouth come out of his belly. That was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it also ties into, I mean, this story is really like sort of you're tracking Markari as he becomes from not knowing who he is to almost like a, a Jesus figure who's able to communicate with the celestial spoilers, by the way. He becomes like the Jesus figure to the deviants, right? Where he, he gives the guy three chances to hit him. He can't hit him. And then he goes, okay, it's my chance. And he bows down. He won't hit the deviants. And essentially turns back this army of deviants who are attacking the Eternals by saying that I will allow you to kill me. Even though I can't die. <laughs> he had that card in his back pocket the whole time. Yeah. That's how, that, that's how you bluff somebody. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the moment that the Eternals start actually figuring out who they are in this book is actually when it got a little bit more boring. You know, not to give away the spoilers of what happened to the Eternals, because you should go and read the book. But like the moment when things start coming together 
And you're like, oh, that's why they forgot. Oh, this. Oh, now they're just the Eternals again. I actually started to come fall off the book a little bit. It was much more interesting when they didn't know who they were and that they they were trying to figure things out because it was exciting and it was mysterious. And and after that, it was just like, well, these are just mm. more characters in the Marvel Universe that, that could yeah. do a lot more than what they're doing. But I'm going to disagree with you a bit on that because by the end of the book where they've obviously set this up, right? They have to go out and find the rest of the Eternals because there is only a small group of them who know who they are. There's 100 or 99 living around the Earth. They have to go find them because this horde, this evil, this army, this whatever is coming and they need to be prepared to defend the Earth from it. I was like, ooh. I, I want to know. I want to hear. I want to read that next chapter. I want to see and, the, this massive battle. And, and there was. There what was, happened? 2008, there was a follow up series which was written by Charles Knopf and uh, Daniel Acuna did the artwork. But actually, the first couple of pages of the first issue of that is a recap of the Neil Gaiman run. Yeah, that, that second series ran, I think it was like nine issues in an annual or something. And uh, Acuna draws it six issues and somebody else takes over and I can't remember his name and I feel horrible. The funny thing about this book is that it was originally supposed to be six issues. The cover for issue five even says five of six. And then issue six comes out and it's six of seven. And then so, so they actually added an extra issue in to, to wrap it up, which is kind of bizarre. So Chad... As somebody that didn't care about the Eternals going into this book, did it? Did this book at least succeed in making you care about the characters a little bit more? That is an excellent question. And so I will answer it as such. Uh, the beginning of this story, I was into it. I was watching them find out, discover who they are, and, you know, they have their personalities. And, like, that was cool. And then the story kept going, and they became Eternals. And then I felt like at the end, it just kind of ended. And I was like, oh. Well, I never heard of these people again. It must not have mattered too much. <laughs> and it just dripped out of my brain. And so I, I'm excited to know there's a follow-up out there. I'll have to go and check that out. because I felt like I didn't get a satisfying story out of this. Even with the extended portions. Like, I felt like the ending was just very, oh, we're off to do the next thing. And it's like, wait, yeah. is it? J.A., what are your thoughts? I mean, you love the cosmic characters. Did you get more invested with the Eternals after this? We mentioned it earlier. The biggest problem with the Eternals is why, do, if they live on Earth, why don't they ever help out? And they do a really good job of explaining sort of like Earth dynamics, at least. not Maybe not the cosmic stuff, but Earth dynamics, where Iron Man's trying to get the Eternals to sign up to become registered superheroes. And uh, the response is basically, when you see two kids fighting in the playground as an adult, do you back one side versus the other? Or do you just let them fight or separate them, right? You're basically saying that you guys are kids fighting on a mm -hmm. playground. I'm not a part of that. It's like, yeah, you pick sides with Timmy or, or Josh about who stole the kickball? No, you just say, all right, give the kickball back. And, 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 like, and you're right. It is neat that they, they, they are above certain concerns. I like the notion in this book that they, they talk about themselves as like, we're Earth's defense system. Like, we're like, yeah, we were created by the uh, Celestials to defend this machine. Like, they're the antibodies in, a, in an immune system. They're like, that's our mm -hmm. job. Like, we're not really getting involved with whether or not uh, the germs and the, the other germs want to fight each other. We're just here to make sure that the body stays well. <laughs> <laughs> and keep yeah. everything even but for me, that's when you lose me. 
Like, and it's, it's not a fault of the story. And I, I feel like that's a sci-fi trope in there. I'm like, at that point, I'm like, okay, you know, all right, these guys have been around long enough. They're not going to fill out government paperwork. I can respect that. But other than but, that, yeah. And it does raise an interesting idea that I don't know has been explored or not. Um, Earth is not the only place that the Celestials went. So are there other Eternals on other planets? Defending those planets? There's other Eternals on other planets in other publishing companies, and they're called the uh-huh. New Gods. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to that in my rating about what. <laughs> yeah, it's all very. I mean, it's all very similar thing. But I, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, but, I, I will throw this out there that at least I know of one other Eternal race out there. It actually is the Deviant version. Of it. Did you realize that from Rom, the Space Knight, one of my favorite comic books of all time, the dire rates are yeah. actually the deviants of the scrolls. Yeah, so it it you know, when I first read this back in two thousand six, it didn't fire me up to follow it anymore. But this conversation has and, and there has been has there been another series since I mean there was the two thousand eight one. Has there been another one? There's a new one with uh, Kieran uh, Gillen and they were Saad in Rick. they were in uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers. They're doing a bunch of stuff with the Eternals. Opposite. There's that Eternals series, then there's one called Eternals: Thanos Rising. Well, I guess they're doing the push because of the movie. So yeah, yeah. gotta have stuff on the shelves. Yeah, and I think there's a couple issues of Incredible Hercules uh, where at least Icarus shows up. But in any case, you know what's going to show up is our rating of Eternals by Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. We haven't talked enough about this book, and we're going to talk a little bit more right after these commercial breaks, so stay tuned. It's coming with a rating. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than The Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles. The Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. For the last comic shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where we all play fourth host and say, "Hey, we're going to give her the thumbs up or the thumbs down to the experiment known as Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr.'s Eternals." Jay Scott, he's going to give us his rating scale for this particular book. When you're eternal, you tend to die and get reborn. So one out of four rebirths. It's a very nice magical sound effect. And we'll go ahead and start off this week with Chad Smith. 
Because again, he initially gave me shit about reading this book. So let's see yeah, yeah, if he enjoys yeah. it or not. I'm, I'm still thinking about rebirths. Does this involve gold balls? <laughs> no, but Hickman's X-Men has totally just, you know, become Eternals, haven't they? The concept is completely the same. Yeah, I mean, Icarus yeah. has got the Cyclops eye beams in the movie, so yeah, it's pretty much yeah, pretty much the X Men. We're like, yeah, we don't have X Men. Anyways, Chad, what do we it's do? The have? Circle of Life. Anyway, as far as this book goes, I really enjoyed the art. Uh, I, I am prone to enjoy John Romita Jr. stuff, and man, when he went wild on some of those double page spreads, he went wild. And when he had the chance to do the giant scale, boy, he's just one of those artists that you can feel it. You know, it's reminiscent of the energy that Jack Kirby would bring to the page. And so I can't undersell the art enough. And the story was really good. And when it ended, I felt like I was just getting into it. And then it ended. But it wasn't an ending that, that hit me in such a way where it's like, Oh, I need to go out and find that more because I didn't think there was more, to be honest. So, like, I'm going to ding it a little bit for that, where, like, I was interested while I was there, but then as soon as I left, I was ready to just do other stuff. It's like the Star Wars movies of recent memory. Like, they're fine when you're in the theater, but then as soon as you leave, there's no reason to think about those things ever again. So, uh, for that, I'm going to give it three out of four rebirths. There's lots of quality stuff in here, but I don't know if I'm going to go back and revisit it. All right. J.A., how many rebirths are you giving it? So I'm going to agree on the art. I think the art is awesome. It reminded me to go back and look at John Romita Jr.'s run on X-Men, which I had owned originally and read back in the 90s and wasn't so jazzed about. I, You know, this isn't Jim Lee. This doesn't look like Rob Liefeld. And I was, you know, kind of young. And and now I go back and I reread some of those stories. I was like, oh, what was I missing? So, you know, maybe it's one of those things where art grows on you. I, I Obviously it is, because this just is another level even above what he was doing on the X-Men books, the the cosmic stuff, you know, all of the connection to Jack Kirby. It was great. The story, I felt, opposite of Chad, the beginning part, I had a hard time getting into. I'm like, I don't need two pages on how you party plan. I really am not interested. Seriously, let's get past this party planning. And as it got towards the end and they kind of figured out what was going on and the plot got going, I was like, okay, now I'm really invested. Which makes me wonder... If I reread it, will I be more interested in the first part? Because now that I know what's coming, I will look for more nuance. Uh, so unlike sort of the recent Star Wars stuff, this story makes me want to go back and read it again. So I can't ding the writing that much because I think it's just dense. There's a lot of stuff going on. And if you read it once, you want to you kind of are trying to figure out what the heck the plot's doing. So then maybe read it a second time to get more character nuance. So I'm going to give it three and a half. Three and a half rebirth. Okay. Mikey, what's your rating for this book? Um, You know, it's funny. Uh, if you had asked me in 2006, I would have given it like a two because I just wasn't into it. Other than, I mean, it was super pretty to look at. But now I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm in like three, three range. Like I, this, this, mean, this discussion made me like it more. I want an entire issue of party planning personally that's just my, <laughs> that's my thing it did make me interested in in more of it and the the characters and now i kind of want to see the movie a little more now you guys have changed me you've changed me 
no. last comic shop. Oh, look at Sorry, you. Mikey. We'll change a lot of folks. But if we change your opinion on this, I, I guess we th- there's there's hope for the universe, I guess. <laughs> there is. Just you as know, long as the Eternals aren't in charge. because That's right, because they're not going to do shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this. I've read a bunch of Eternals now. I think, honestly, this is probably the most enjoyable Eternal series I've read. You know, I'm even going to go on record later on recommending that you read the Jack Kirby. But I'm really recommending that from more of a historical perspective. Like, you need to read, you know, where stuff comes from. If you're going to appreciate comics, this you just read because it's it's good. And guess what? If there's one thing that Neil Gaiman does really well, it's write immortal characters. Again, whether it's Sandman, whether it's American Gods, people that don't die and live forever, Neil Gaiman seems to understand the consequences of eternity. Not only just like the notion that you can't die, but really what that would be like. Like if you really couldn't die and like millennia were the same to you as weeks are to us it would change your perspective. Like there are great parts of this book where like they talk about how Mercury and Cersei are rediscovering their relationship or the fact that they have, uh, you know, chemistry together. And somebody says like, this has happened so many times, like dating, like with in Roman times. And then they broke up because like this person cheated on her. And it's just that over time, like the relationships that you would have with other, you know, immortal characters would evolve and adapt the kind of notion that like you wouldn't get caught up with things like, Iron Man and, you know, Captain America's petty fights over whether or not people should register with the American government. Like, this is all fleeting stuff. And I think it's one of those things that you don't get enough with, like, for, say, the Mighty Thor. Good Mighty Thor starts talking about those concepts of being around for forever and, like, yeah, maybe Iron Man won't be around and that won't be his best friend. And so it's kind of neat to get more of, like, that perspective. And then the John Romita Jr. art is great. And so, like, I'm going to give this at the end, like, uh, 3.75. This is the best Eternals out there. If you're jacked and want to go see the movie, go read this. Even the back half where it starts getting about, yeah, whatever. It's still better than a lot of other Eternals out there. And it's now time for more good writing and good art from our recommendations. Yes, that time of our show where we like to tell you other comic books in addition to the Eternals that you should go out to your comic book store and pick up before they make a movie out of that. Which they were all eventually. Grendel. Oh my god, they announced Grendel. A Grendel TV series. That yes. makes me very happy. I was very excited so, about that. Yes. So li- literally everything will eventually be made into something. They had a fish police cartoon for Christ's sake. So read all the comics just in case. Yeah. We're going to offer you something similar. Something recent. Even though now everything is recent. Something <laughs> out of left field. And because we've got Mikey on the show, probably something similar again. <laughs> Why don't we go with Andy, because he is going to talk about Jack Kirby. Yes, that's right. You know, the greatest thing about the Eternals and Jack Kirby's idea of the Eternals is because it's it's kind of like one half of a good idea. The other half is at New Gods, like at DC. And it's kind of like if he had never had to leave Marvel because of circumstances, maybe we would have gotten a great idea, like something that slammed it out of the park when he was able to basically certain concepts out of new God, certain concepts out of the Eternals and kind of smush them together. So my recommendation today is going to be to read 
the Eternals. Why? Because if you listen to this podcast, you would have already listened to our new gods. So I'm giving you the other half. Okay, like go back, listen to our new God show that we did a couple months ago and then go and pick up the Eternals because you're going to get the other half of this story that Jack Kirby wanted to tell about space gods. He was really in to the notion of ancient aliens and the chariot of the gods. And even the Eternals was supposed to be called that, I think, initially. They were going to make the covers and everything. They're like, no, no, no. At the last second, they said, oh, we'll call it Eternals instead. But it goes on for 19 issues and you can get it all in a great trade paperback called Jack Kirby's Complete Eternals. You know, it's got that that wonderful Jack Kirby visuals, like every single time the Celestials show up on the page and they're just dwarfing all the other characters on the page. It, it looks wonderful. I, I will say a little bit that it's that traditional Jack Kirby kind of narrative slog. Aww. Certain pages are just like, okay, this is a lot of text. Can I just flip through these pages really fast? <laughs> Maybe you don't have to read every single word. Maybe he could have used an editor to Jay's point in previous shows. Same thing with Eternals, but you should still read it. If you're uh, into comic books, if you're wanting to be excited about the Eternals, you should know where it came from. And you should read the original source material, the original ideas of three races created by gods and put upon the earth. The Eternals, the Deviants, and the humans, and how they all interconnect. It's super important. And, all right. Yeah. I will go to Mikey now because I think he also has something uh, related to our read pile review. I did. And originally I uh, I told you guys I was going to talk about Sandman because everybody should read Sandman. But I changed my mind and I'll talk about that when the time comes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys to read a book called Camelot 3000. Well, we um, did that one already. Good God. <laughs> then, I, then, then I should talk about Sandman. Yes. Go back to Sandman. <laughs> Um, it is my all-time favorite comic still to this day, and it is about uh, Dream of the Endless and his kind of dysfunctional family, the Endless who are manifestations of concepts. It starts out as sort of like an EC horror book, and then it goes uh, so many different places and so many wonderful, wonderful places, and it's beautiful and often horrifying and um, just fantastic and 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 it's it, i can't recommend it anymore and it's available out there in just multiple formats and just this week the uh, audio drama second season debuted and that's another fabulous take on it so if you dig audiobooks you should listen to the audio dramas for sandman it's just wonderful and 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 out of all of neil gaiman's work this is still the one that hits me the most it's one of those comics that if it grabs you it grabs you and it doesn't let go of you. And it becomes this emotional thing and you want to tell other people to read it. And you want to lend copies to, uh, you know, cute 20-year-old bartenders who will never give them back to you. <laughs> she's out there. She knows who I'm talking about. But anyway, <laughs> it's a life-changing thing. And I started reading it in the when it came out in the 80s when I was still in high school, like my junior year of high school or something. And it just, it just changed how I felt about comics as a medium. It's just I can't talk about it enough. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to go next. And uh, my recommendation is going to be something from the recent pile. Uh, and it is Tom King and Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart's Rorschach 12 issue maxi series that just completed uh, a few weeks ago from DC Comics, their black label line. And this is a different take on the Rorschach. It's set in a world where. In 1985, the squid invasion did happen, but uh, now 
we have people. It starts off uh, at a political rally, and there's an attempted assassination on the candidate to be president, and the assassins are killed. And the rest of the 12 issues is tracking down who these assassins were. And it's a, it turns into a detective mystery. And the assassins, you know, were, were their versions of Rorschach and more versions of Rorschach show up throughout the course of the story. And really, I want to recommend it so that other people will read it so I can talk to them about it. Because I finished, I don't know if I like this or not. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's not... A, you know, Tom King, I, I'm a big fan of Tom King. And Jorge Fornes, the first few times I saw him, he reminded me so much of Dave Mazzuchelli. And it's hard to not appreciate that. The art is wonderful in this book. The writing is solid. But the story itself, I don't know if I liked it. And so I need, I, I'm very easily swayed, I feel like, on this one, one way or the other. I feel like someone can convince me that this is really good. Or someone can convince me, like, no. Like, it's just a little bit overblown. Like, I, I don't know whether Jorge Fornes was wasted here or if he's the only person that could have done this book. And I'm still in the middle. So somebody needs to help me out. Yeah. Well, so I love the it. covers. I, I love the covers for that series. Like, that was, that's what sold me. Like, especially the font. Oh, yeah. Like, the font in, in the top. <laughs> the 70s. Like, it, it looks so good to me. And that, that's what got me. But you're right. I haven't finished it. So, like, maybe I got to finish it too so that I can. Maybe that'll be J.A. Scott's uh, poll for this week. Did you like Rorschach? Yes or no? That'd be a real easy one. <laughs> King constantly blows my mind i think he writes comics that are challenging especially and and that pisses people off and it, it especially pisses people off when he writes comics that are challenging using beloved characters like people oh, yeah. lose their minds but i think you need to be challenged i think and and i have all the issues i haven't read all the issues so i look forward to it um but in my brain it feels like rorschach is the concept and not the lead character no, absolutely um, my problem, I don't like Rorschach. Well, you're I not supposed to. That. You're not really supposed to because, well, especially the character in the Watchmen, he's a, he's a terrible person. Like all the Watchmen are, are not, they're, they're not the Watchmen. I keep having the, they're not, the team isn't called the Watchmen ever, not once. But all of the characters in the Watchmen are kind of awful people. They're all, but so you're not supposed to like him. And, and if you ever meet anybody and they tell you that their favorite character is Rorschach, just choose another person to talk to. Um, you, you know, so. Andrew, isn't your favorite character Rorschach? In that book, yes. I like Rorschach a lot in that book because he's so complex. Yeah. He's the most interesting character in that book. I don't think he's a good guy. I think he's, no, there are people are very there are no good that. guys. They're only good characters. Well, right. yeah, <laughs> that's what Just I'm saying. Because you're a bad guy doesn't. I also like Doctor Doom. Do I think Doctor yeah. Doom's a good guy? No, but I like him. I like him as a character. So I and, like and Rorschach as a character. People get very upset when 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 DC does further things with Watchmen characters. They get some people get very 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 upset with it. But if they are as quality as the before Watchmen books were, and as Rorschach is. Dude, why would you complain about that? Why would Alan Moore is going to complain because he's just a curmudgeonly guy and that's what he does. He, he just hates it. And 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 that brings us to a conversation about creator's rights, which I'm sure we have had or will have. Yeah, does he get uh, paid for any of this stuff? Does he get any uh, They money? want to. He just doesn't accept it. So all the money goes to Dave Gibbons. Like all the money for the movies and everything. And Gibbons is like, okay, sure, go ahead. Yeah. 
It's great. They list Dave Gibbons as co-creator on the series, but no mention of uh, Alan Moore because he doesn't want anything to do with this. But like the whole conversation of why I like Rorschach, it's a very deep conversation because the traditional person says, I like Rorschach because I'm a right-wing nut job that doesn't understand life and has no sympathy for people. I think Rorschach incredibly broken. Like he is the mo- one mm-hmm. of the most broken characters ever. He's supposed to be a hero, yet he's yeah. like his, oh, his hey. relationship. Like one of my favorite parts of Watchmen, I don't want to bring this up, but my favorite thing is like the moment when Rorschach's sitting like right before him and, and Night Owl go out and, and, and he, he basically says like, Night Owl, you're my only friend. Like that, that's the only point in that whole book. He's human. He's eating beans. He changes throughout, throughout. Like there's, there's a lot of growth for him, and it may be subtle growth, but it's big. You know, by the end of it, when he's in tears and he's shouting at Doctor Manhattan to just kill him, he's he's having this sort of a combination of psychotic break, but he's also kind of like, what's wrong with you people? This guy did something horrible, and he needs to be stopped. Doctor Manhattan's the ultimate gray area, which is funny because his area is blue. And we yeah. see a lot of it. You know, but, but, you know, it's the comic where where Superman doesn't care about mankind, Batman can't get it up, and the bad guy wants to save the world. I mean, that's the Watchmen, you know. Yeah. And one thing I forgot to mention, that uh, that initial Rorschach that's one of the assassins, it's an analog for Steve Ditko, creator of Spider-Man. <laughs> wow! Well, now I really got to finish it. Anyways, yeah. Jay, what's our out-of-left-field pick this week? So out of left field, I was kind of channeling the cosmic because, um, you know me, I'm a huge Silver Surfer fan. I love Marvel's cosmic stuff. Uh, so I know about the Celestials and all this anyways. But I thought, well, let's see. That's something maybe not Marvel. I'm going to recommend Dreadstar, which is the great Jim Starlin creation from the early 80s. And I'm recommending his original trade paperback dreadstar the beginning which combines uh, the metamorphosis odyssey the price and dreadstar the graphic novel so that's the first sort of three stories in the in the dreadstar opus uh so the metamorphosis odyssey dreadstar is actually conned into basically destroying the milky way for this immortal priest and then uh, the next two storylines are him trying to sort of make up for this uh, so if you like sort of cosmic craziness and immortal characters and big epic storylines where half the universe dies off, if you're really into what Starling did with the Infinity Gauntlet, then you owe it to yourself to uh, read this. It's its own universe. There are no Marvel crossovers, though it is a Marvel universe. So come join Earth 8116. And Dreadstar is just this it's like if Ian Anderson, the headliner for Jethro Tull, was a superhero. Because this guy's got a beard <laughs> and a cloak, and he sort of looks like he should be in, uh, you know, ye old England, but jumping around in space. Like he's uh, Robin Hood with a sword. Yeah, And it is really good. I, I, I enjoy that series so much because I feel like it's, it's kind of like a spiritual successor to some of the stuff that he did with Warlock. And Thanos, the original Magus storyline with Adam Warlock from the future and, and the church and the st- it was good stuff. So like, yeah, it's like Jim Starlin was really still super interesting before he kind of burnt out. Jim Starlin nowadays is kind of like uh, all his best ideas are behind him. But uh, this was when he was really, really still good. So 
You know what's always really good? The Last Comic Shop podcast. And you can listen to us all the time by making sure that you rate, review, and subscribe out at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a tricky place where you can find our links to Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Spotify and Pandora and Amazon Podcasts and a variety of other places where you can find our show. And if you like our show so much, you should leave us a five-star review. Heck, you're going to go see Eternals and probably leave that a good review. Leave us a review while you're at it. Say, hey, I like that you cued me into some Eternals comic books before I went to that movie so that I I knew what the heck I was was seeing, I guess. And if you're interested in having that conversation, you can always find us on the social medias. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop. We're on Facebook at Last Comic Shop Podcast. And you can find links to all those things and more at www.lastcomicshop.com podcast.com where they can find what else ja well they can find some of our great merchandise where you can buy some t-shirts or sweatshirts now they might not last for eternity but they will last a long time because they're quality products there you (laughs) go very nice and while we might be the last comic shop podcast we hope to not be the last comic shop there are plenty of comic shops near you and if you need to find one you can go to the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com where you might be able to find a place that could hook you up with the eternals by neil gaiman and john romita jr that kind of bothered me the version we read had neil gaiman real big john romita jr playing second <laughs> fiddle I and mean, come on guys i thought they should get equal billing regardless but if you like that neil gaiman guy you could check out some sandman that mikey recommended they'll have that at your comic shop Or, if you like this Eternal stuff, maybe you go deeper and go into the Jack Kirby. Or, maybe you want to go with some Cosmic Robin Hood. With some Dreadstar the Beginning. Or maybe you just want something more recent, and you can read Rorschach and tell me if it's good or not. (laughs) Really. It it just needs some guidance here. Help me out, gang. But yeah, you can find all that more at your local comic shop. Absolutely. One thing you can't find at your local comic shop, but we wish you could, is the wonderful work of Mikey Wood, who is a frequent guest on our show. Now, Mikey, they Mm. can find your work out there online, right? So where can they find that tremendous work? Well, you can read uh, The Adventures of El Phantasma and the first volume of Hate Your Friends on graphite.com. At least you could last time i checked um i'm sure it's still there um you can get uh, hard copies you know made out of paper um which are fantastic too and look great on a shelf from amazon.com you just type in mikey wood uh those are pack of lies uh, written by me with art by myself and a bunch of other you know local pittsburgh creators and hate your friends volume one written by myself and and Kristen blank um, but it's a great story. But anyway, those are out there, and I would appreciate that because for every one you buy, I get like a dollar or something, and that's always nice. <laughs> so. so give Mikey Wood a dollar. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he can buy a McChicken sandwich and be very happy. And if you've ever seen me, McChickens are very important. Um, <laughs> you know, it's also is very important. It's making sure that you come back to the last comic shop right. next week. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott, Chad Smith, and the wonderful Mikey Wood. And until then, stay safe, stay sheltered. And if you were a tremendously powerful, immortal race that could have defeated Thanos, where were you when we needed you? Maybe that question will be answered. Because it definitely wasn't answered in that trailer. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.